It's episode 103 of the Keto for Women show. You're listening to the Keto for Women show. This podcast provides the tools you need to create your own expression of a healthy ketogenic lifestyle so you can stop obsessing and start living. I'm your host and nutritionist, Sean Miner. Now let's get on with the show. Before we get any further into this episode, I want to tell you a little bit about our newest Keto for Women sponsor, Chomps. I am so obsessed with Chomps right now. They have been absolutely saving our lives over these past few months when we haven't had a kitchen to cook in. Good quality protein is by far the hardest thing to eat conveniently without a kitchen or if you're on the go at the office. It's just hard to find something to take along with you except now Chomps is taking care of all of that for us. Chomps are high quality meat snack sticks without any added junk. They are 100% grass fed and grass finished, nitrate free, non-GMO certified, Whole30 approved, and super delicious. The hardest part I have found with finding meat snacks is the added sugar that most companies put in these snacks, but not with Chomps. Most flavors have no sugar at all and between zero and one gram of carbs. The perfect on-the-go snack for us Keto for Womeners or sometimes as dinner if you're like me and have no kitchen. I also keep several stashed at my desk at all times just in case I get hungry. It's the perfect little pick-me-up in the middle of the day. Chomps has lots of different flavors and even come in turkey and venison varieties if you want a little something special. This is the only venison meat snack that I like. I actually love the Chomps venison, although my favorite is one of their new flavors they just added, the Italian-style beef and sea salt beef. The Italian is my absolute favorite. It tastes like pepperoni and really hits the spot. They also have the cranberry beef, which is a close second favorite of mine. You've got to try them all. Right now, Chomps is giving listeners of the Keto for Women show a super special deal. When you use the code KETO, the number four women, over on their website, chomps.com, you'll get 20% off site-wide plus free shipping. That is an incredible deal that they do not give just anybody. So you're going to want to take advantage of being a Keto for Women listener over on chomps.com. Now is the time to stock up on all of your favorite chomps. If you're new to chomps and not sure which ones are your favorites yet, I'd recommend getting the eight pack. It is one of every single flavor they have, so you can try them all and you'll know which one your favorite is. How fun is that? Remember, use the code KETO, the number four women at chomps.com to get 20% off your order plus free shipping. Chomps.com, coupon code KETO for women. Hey, hey, friends. Welcome back. Thanks, as always, for joining me on this episode of Keto for Women. It's time for another Keto Hot Seat episode with purpose. We have a solid purpose on today's episode, which is to answer all of your burning questions about your hormones. So that's a really big topic. I think we're going to just scratch the surface today, but we'll get into it in just a minute. I have Kristen here with me. Hi, Kristen. Hey, friends. Oh, I stole your You thing. stole my line. Actually, I think I say, hey, hey, friends, don't oh, you, I? Yeah, you go. Hey, hey, friends. I don't even know what I say anymore. It's just what I say. I say it a lot. Yeah, I know. I've learned to just kind of block it out. So I'm not <laughs> sure. Nobody knows. <laughs> How are you? Well, you're sounding much better this week. I know. Thank goodness. I, however, sound a little bit stuffy. Sorry. She's sorry, a little everyone. under the weather. Getting over it. I mean, it's like we haven't seen the sun in over a week in Mm -hmm. Colorado, which is so rare. And I just feel down. Not only have we not seen the sun, but we have seen rain, snow, sleet, hail, pretty much everything. Uh, It's been like 40 degrees. It's just been miserable here. And we're so not used to it that it really gets us in a major funk around here. I know everyone in the Pacific Northwest or really a lot of other places in the U.S. are like, wah, wah, poor you guys. So yeah, we won't complain anymore. We about can't. It. But, but we are spoiled. And it means that we get a little under the weather. Yeah, it's true. Ugh, colds. May, those spring colds really 
really knock you out. Yeah. I'm so glad that I got over mine as quickly as I did because it's not easy to have a podcast and an Instagram channel and all these things that I try to be present in when I have like a runny nose and then it becomes all crusty and red. <laughs> it does. Not crusty with snot, but crusty with like dry skin because you're blowing your nose 700 times a day. We've all been there. We get it. Well, I, I have this new respect for performers or anybody, I guess, that does like something public like singers or anyone who has to go and perform when they're under the weather because it took everything in my body to get up up here today and get out of bed. Yeah. I cannot imagine like having to, you know, put on a concert when you're sick in front of thousands of people or a podcast or, yeah. or whatever. We're lucky that most of our jobs we just kind of do behind a computer, behind mm-hmm. the screen. So mm-hmm. you can do that from bed all day long and nobody knows you're gone. That's the way I like it. Well, are you ready to get into some of these questions? Hormones. Actually, Scratch that because I have something to say just really quick. I keep forgetting to mention this to those listeners that aren't on my email list or following me on Instagram or Facebook that you may not have seen. I have tons of new resources for you over on my website, seanminer.com. I have a Costco keto grocery guide. I have a Trader Joe's keto grocery guide. I have six reasons why you're not losing weight on keto. I have like three three or four new recipes. I've been busy over here. Busy bee. But it's been really fun. And I've gotten a lot of really good responses. But I just wanted to make sure to point all of that out to you here. If you're listening and aren't getting all this other material, I podcast, but I also do a lot of other things. I actually really love writing and creating blog posts and that kind of content. So go head over to seanminer.com to get that stuff if you haven't already. There's even like downloadable grocery guides that you can save to your phone or you can print them and take them with you in your purse to Costco. So it makes it a lot less exhausting because I personally find Costco exhausting. Well, there are more guides to come, right? Grocery guides. Yeah, we're going to do Walmart next. We're going to do Target. I really want to do the things that most people have access to. I mean, we're lucky here. We have two sprouts. We have a natural grocers. We have two Whole Foods. And those things are easy to find, these kinds of real food, clean keto products. But then what about these places like King Supers and Target and Walmart, where a lot of us can go and have access to, and they actually are carrying good products now. You just have to sift through the crap. Yeah. Which I like to do mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. What a service. So <laughs> sift through the crap. That should be on my new business cards. If you had a resume, you could put that. My crap sifter through her. Yeah. All right. Let's get to some hormone questions. Let me preface this by saying you all know that I get these questions from you all through Instagram and Facebook. However, I did not even get a chance to post this question to my actual Instagram feed because I usually give the people that watch my stories on Instagram a little bit of a head start just because, you know, they're kind of my friends almost. I feel like they're friends. I talk to a lot of people over there. And so if you have the dedication to go to my stories, you should get your question answered is kind of how I feel about that. So I posted it to my stories and within less than an hour, I already had more questions than I was going to be able to answer here in this episode, which shows that there were a lot of questions in the stories that needed to be answered, but also that we all have a lot of questions about hormones. No matter how much we talk about it here on the Keto for Women show, which has been most of the episodes, I think it's like we still have so many thoughts and concerns and questions and just there's a lot of misunderstandings. There's just a lot of vague knowledge out there that I think we could clear up. Well, and hormones are complicated. Hormones are super complicated especially for us ladies. So that's what we're going to do today is try to get through some of these questions from you all and see if we can clear some of these muddy waters. (laughs) Nice. Well, maybe it might help folks out there if we take a step back and define what a hormone is. Yes. And I just learned that you were going to ask me this (laughs) and I thought it would be fun to read an actual definition and then kind of go our own ways into our own definitions and how we think of it. The actual definition is a regulatory substance produced in an organism and transported in tissue fluids, such as blood or sap. 
I don't know if that means trees. I don't know. <laughs> That's a weird. Do trees have hormones? They might actually. <laughs> to stimulate specific cells or tissues into action. What? So they're like I don't even know what that means. Messengers. You huh? totally lost me. Yeah. So this is how I think, and I know this is how you think, but I really just think of them as like signalers. Like they're out there in our bloodstream, letting our body know what to do, basically. It's like the signal flare. The courier pigeon of the body. Oh, I like that. So you can think of it that way. I know when I first started learning more about health and then eventually went into the nutrition field, I always thought when I heard the word hormone, I thought specifically sex hormones. I don't Mm -hmm. know about you, but that's like basically all I thought about was estrogen, any kind of sex related hormone. And and then I realized, well, shoot, there's a lot of different types of hormones, Mm -hmm. right? a ton in basically every system of our bodies. We now know because of the keto for women shown what we talk about here, your thyroid has hormones and that's how it functions. Insulin is a hormone. We have hormones that regulate our satiety and hunger cues, the ghrelin and leptin. And that's just scratching the surface. Vitamin D is a hormone. You know, it's just scratching the surface of the amount of hormones. But again, if we know them to be like these messengers or signalers, then we know that the only way our body functions is because of hormones. So that's a good time to clarify, though, that what we're talking about today is specifically sex hormones. We'll have other opportunities to talk about thyroid and blood sugar and those other systems coming up in future hot seat episodes. And so if you did ask a question, because I got a lot of thyroid questions and they were really good questions. It's just we're not going to focus on that today because it's a whole nother can of worms that will be an entire podcast episode just on your thyroid. And that will be coming up really soon. So save those questions for me and submit them again when I ask specifically for thyroid because I do want to cover those. All right. Now, before we get into actual specific questions, I received so many questions that were, how long will it take to regulate my hormones, to get my period back? All these questions about periods of time before you can feel better. And y'all know I'm going to say this, but I'm going to say it again. I have no idea. It's totally up to you and your body and what you're doing to heal and where you're starting from. I mean, there's so many factors involved in this healing process, especially when it comes to hormones, that to even give you a remote time frame would be negligent on my part because then you'll expect to, it's been three months, why don't I feel better? And Sean said I would, and it's not going to happen necessarily. So I can't even give you a remote time frame other than it could take three months, it could take 30 years. I mean, there's like literally or anything in between. There is no way for me to know or for me to even be able to tell you that. So I know we are in such a place with our health and with wanting to feel better that you just want someone to be like, just do this for six more months and you're going to feel like a different person. I can't be the one to tell you that because I don't know. So just stick it out. You're doing the right thing. Know you're going in the right direction with everything you're doing and about to learn about your hormones right now. And I promise things will change. That's what I can tell you. Moral of the story, patience. Patience. And embrace uncertainty. Ooh, so deep. Getting meta today on this cloudy, rainy day. I like it. All right, let's start with Abby. All right, Abby asks, how do you tell if your hormones are out of whack? Symptoms to look for. Great question, of course, because we do talk about having hormonal imbalance all the time here on the Keto for Women show. But it's like, how do you even know if that's something you need to care about or should be concerned with or should get tested? Of course, You all know, again, this is something I'm going to say quite a bit today. In order to really, truly know what you need to do to heal your hormones, you need to be able to see the very specific picture, which means you need to get your hormones tested. I am truly a believer that there should not be any female walking on this planet right now that does not know what their hormones are doing. Even if they're great and perfect and fabulously balanced, still kind of cool to know that. So I really am a firm believer in women taking charge of their health and getting this test to see what's going on. Of course, that means a saliva test or a urine test for hormones. The blood test that your doctor is doing for you is not going to be an accurate representation of what your hormones are doing. 
because it's only looking at the unbound form of that hormone and not the bound and unbound. So not the total picture, which is what saliva and urine testing does. What do you mean by bound and unbound? So you're your hormone molecules can be bound to a protein or unbound and free and readily available to use. So you're looking at what the usable form is of that hormone, whereas there's a lot more going on that at the time may be bound to a protein and unusable, but that doesn't mean they are not important. They're still there. They still exist. They're still buying into that balance or imbalance. Mm. So that's why we go for the saliva or urine testing. You'll most likely need to do that with a functional or holistic practitioner. Be on the lookout for that. Now, if you can't do testing right away or that's not something that's in your bucket for the moment, you can have other symptoms to clue you in to what your hormones are doing. Your period of course, is always going to be the best predictor of your hormones and what may or may not be going on with them. Your period is supposed to be a very uneventful event, (laughs) we'll say, in your life. It is supposed to not be painful. It should not be super heavy or super light. It should be kind of right in the middle. You should have nice red, unclotted blood cramps maybe as a signaler, but nothing that would be taking you out of work or not allowing you to work out or live your daily life, basically. Any sort of PMS should be very minimal. And it should happen somewhere between, say, 22 to 32-ish days. Every 22 to 32 days, you have this very similar cycle that goes on. That is how a normal period looks. Now, some may be a little shorter, a little longer than that. That's kind of the average, that 22 to 32 range. If they're a little bit longer, a little bit shorter, but that's how it's just been for you and that's just your cycle, cool. Nothing to worry about. If they're all over the place or sometimes you miss cycles, sometimes they're 45 days, some days they're 20 and you're kind of all over, then that is a signal that something is up too. So you always want to start by looking at the health of your menstrual cycle. That will be the biggest item that you can truly look at to know what's up. Now, the other things that come along with having balanced hormones are things like energy. You can judge what's going on with your hormones, at least partially based on your energy. Of course, we know there's a lot of other things that could be going on that cause you to have a lack of energy when you're not feeling great. A lot of other things could be the culprit there, but hormones are a big one. So how your energy is throughout the day and throughout the week, if it dips in a part of your cycle. That all gives you information. Your mood, the same thing. If it changes throughout your cycle, if you get really moody and irritable right before your period or on your period, that's a sign that something might be up. You should have stable mood, stable energy throughout the month. You know, to some degree, of course, there's always going to be a little bit of variance as your hormones do fluctuate so much throughout the month, but it shouldn't be like this noticeable thing. Like your partner should be like, oh, is your period coming tomorrow? Because you're acting like it. I'm sorry. I think we all have had that moment at some point. Skin. Your skin is such a big predictor of what is going on with your hormones, hormonal acne, hormonal breakouts, even drier skin, just anything that's going on, any skin changes. Yes, of course, it could be a number of other things, but your hormones are a big predictor of your skin health. So be on the lookout for that, especially a really good thing to do is to start noticing if you have breakouts in correlation to a specific time of your cycle. So if it happens around ovulation or right before you're about to start your period, all really good predictors and signs of what could be going on. Same thing with your hair health. And we're going to talk about this a little bit deeper in another question. Hair loss, dry hair, just anything that has to do with the health of your hair also can be a huge predictor of things going on with your hormones. So be on the lookout for that. And then of course, sleep quality. My gosh, I talk about sleep a lot, especially in the Fat Burning Female Project. 
because a lot of you are not sleeping well. And sleep is a big predictor. Your sleep quality, I guess, is a big predictor of what your hormones are doing. Again, especially if you notice that certain times of the month are worse than usual. If that kind of goes in a cycle every month, you start not sleeping around your period or around ovulation. Again, really good predictor. So you can take all of these kind of as a package. Look into all of them, especially, you know, if it's just that you have a breakout, but everything else is perfectly 100% great with this list, then it could be that something else is causing that breakout. But if these things as a package seem to have some sort of trend at a certain time of your cycle, or you know, you're just noticing some patterns with all of the above, then that would be a sign that that there's more going on. Yeah, that was a great general question from Abby. Shout out to Lisa Henderson Jack of Fertility Friday podcast. She's going to be on the show next month, but she wrote a really amazing book called The Fifth Vital Sign. And the whole premise of it is that your cycle is a vital sign, just like pulse or temperature or blood pressure. And, and it can give you a lot of insight into how your body is doing. So I think everyone out there, this is a really good thing to keep tabs on is how your cycle is, how your hormones are doing. And this can be general information about your overall health. Absolutely. And for me, when I was having period problems and health issues and hormonal imbalances all at once, like I don't know if I've ever even shared this on the Keto for Women show, but I didn't have a period for years. Like at least two years, I didn't have a period at all. I was really sick. I was too low of body weight when I was competing mm-hmm. in the figure mm-hmm. competition. And I lost my period and it took a long time to get back. And when I got there, first of all, when you haven't had a period and you know something's up and then you start having a period again, it's like the best thing in the world. Like I cried. I remember I went to my mom and I cried and I said, I got my period. And I was 30 something years old, you know, and it was just like, oh my gosh, this means I'm healing. This means I'm on the mend. And so from there, it was like, I just kept using my period as a way to know how I was doing, mm-hmm. as little predictors of you're heading in the right direction, it's getting better and better and better every month. And then now that's how I kind of keep tabs on myself too. Like I even noticed, I'll just share all the details because who cares, <laughs> that this month I had a little bit more breast tenderness than I normally have. And I also know the past few months I've been going through a lot of extra stress with the kitchen and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And I know that that is how I know that my stress is out of whack, my cortisol's up, my hormones are taking a hit, and I notice this breast tenderness that I don't normally have. So you can just all use these symptoms as tools to know what direction you're headed in because your period is the ultimate predictor. Yeah, that's a great point. All right, next we have one from Missy. Do you have to heal your gut first in order to heal your hormones? This is a really good question. I love this question Mm -hmm. because that means that you're looking at your body as a whole and understanding that there's more than just one thing going on that's keeping you from being totally well. The answer, unfortunately, has to be a little bit vague. You don't necessarily have to heal your gut first in order to heal your hormonal imbalance, but I can tell you from my own personal experience and from working with lots of women now, it does speed up the process quite a bit to even work on them at the same time. Work on your gut and work on your hormones together, knowing that you need both to be ultimately healthy. So both need to be functioning really well to be ultimately healthy. If your gut is worse off than your hormones, if you know you have a gut imbalance, dysbiosis, some sort of infection, candida, something like that, that's going to put a lot of stress on your body and that will make it a lot harder to heal your hormones because I think we all know by now that stress is basically the main cause of hormonal imbalances. Of course, we're going to talk about that later. Got to talk about it in pretty much every episode. But I think we all know that by now. So we want to do everything we can to eliminate as much stress as we can that our body is currently under in order to heal our hormones. That means healing other imbalances of other systems in our body, which could be your gut if it's actually worse off than your hormones and causing stress. 
The health of your gut is also super important to actually help balance out your hormones, especially your liver. Your liver is responsible for conjugating and recycling hormones. And if your liver health is off, which is part of your whole digestive system, if that's off, then you may have a harder time or find it impossible to balance out your hormones because you haven't actually taken a peek at your liver and kind of given it the love that it needs to get back to a place where it can effectively conjugate and recycle your hormones. And the microbiome, which is our good versus bad bacteria in our gut, that also plays a role in your hormones, specifically your estrogen levels. If you have dysbiosis, which is where you have more bad bacteria than good bacteria, or there's just, it's off, you don't have enough good bacteria, or you have too much bad bacteria, that can lead to your estrogen levels either being too high or too low. So just what goes on with your gut bugs will determine what happens with your estrogen, which is a huge issue for a lot of women out there. So those are kind of the spots where I would just love for everybody who is working on their hormones to also work on their gut in some level. It could be as simple as adding in fermented foods every day or taking a probiotic, something like that. But if you know that your gut is not right, there's something up, then you should probably also get that tested too, because you're going to keep coming up against a wall of trying to get healthy, trying to get your adrenals back on track and your hormones back on track. And you can't do it because you're stressing out your body because your gut is a mess. Well, I think I'd say it's safe to say that most of us have some gut challenges. Mm-hmm. I think it just comes with absolutely it's just the nature of the beast living in today's times, eating what we eat. So it's safe to say and recommend focus on your gut if mm-hmm. you can. Uh, we all need a little bit of love there, I think. And the gut hormone connection, you know, more and more research is coming out every day about this stuff and the microbiome. I know we we see it everywhere in the news and everything. So I don't think we even know. We barely scratch the surface in the science. But I think it is safe to say the whole connection is a two-way street. So it's like your hormones can affect your gut, your gut can affect your hormones. Mm-hmm. And by, you know, it's just this endless cycle. So to work on both of them at the same time is, I think, covering all your bases in a smart way. Yeah, for sure. I know it's hard, but you can do it. Yeah. Little steps, just little things. That's all you have to do. Baby steps. Mm-hmm. All right. Yep. Danielle. Danielle. What hormonal imbalances cause hair loss? Ooh, such a good question, man. I can't even tell you how many people have this question. I had this question myself because I've gone through several bouts of extreme hair loss and it is scary. And I know you have too. Yeah, oh yeah. It's yep. tough. I absolutely hate that. But again, it's one of those predictors. It's one of those signs for us to use to let us know that something's up and there's something more that we need to look into and dive a little deeper and see what we need to heal. So if you are dealing with hair loss, and it's really common with keto, which we'll kind of get into here in just a minute, use that as a symptom to try to figure out what's going on. Don't just be like, oh, well, I'm keto. I guess I just lose hair because everybody does. <laughs> like, no, that's not okay. And I know you you know that because you'll all agree it's, it's pretty scary. So there's a lot of different scenarios within your hormones that could cause hair loss. The first one is high testosterone. So testosterone will convert to another androgen hormone. Those are our quote unquote male hormones. Testosterone and DHT is the other androgen hormone. So there's aromatase, which is an enzyme that converts testosterone to DHT. And DHT weakens your hair follicles. So if you have a high testosterone, you're going to convert more into DHT, which is going to have this damaging effect on your hair follicle. This is the case in PCOS. We know that most women with PCOS have an instance of high testosterone and high DHEA. It's also the case in menopause. Not because necessarily your testosterone is so high, but because your estrogen plummets and that's kind of that balancer. It kind of knocks it out, that ability to go from testosterone to DHT. If you have enough estrogen, it's not a problem. But if you are in menopause, for instance, or you just have low estrogen, 
that plummets, and then your testosterone will have the ability to convert to DHT, and you will see that hair loss. Also, high insulin causes high testosterone. So if you have blood sugar imbalances, which is the case for a lot of people who come to the keto diet, then you may also have high testosterone, which will then contribute to your hair loss potentially. Now, another big reason for hair loss is high cortisol. So your hair growth gets put on the back burner, basically, when your body realizes that there is a stressor going on. Because why do we care about how much hair we have when we have this like major stressful event happening? You know, back in the hunter-gatherer days, it was like, there's a tiger running after me. So who cares about growing hair when I just need to survive? your body doesn't know that that's not actually happening. So the same thing is going to take place when you are in a stressful scenario. So the necessary blood and nutrients are taken away from the hair follicle and put to more important tasks because of this high stress scenario and the high cortisol. This is why I see so many women have problems with hair loss on keto because they have not gone about the transition to keto in a way that is stress-free on their body. So their cortisol increases, spikes big time. They may be trying to fast too soon or lowering their calorie intake too much or just the whole transition was just way too fast for their bodies. And then they see hair loss. I see this all the time. So that's why I'm such a proponent of doing keto safely so you don't have to deal with hair loss. A low progesterone is another reason for hair loss. Progesterone protects the hair follicle from that androgen attack. So we talked about the DHT attacking your hair follicle. If your progesterone is high enough, it will just have this little bubble over your hair follicle and that DHTA won't be able to attack. So that's really important. Postpartum often sees a lot of hair loss because your estrogen has been so high for so long and then all of a sudden... It's re-regulating, your progesterone is re-regulating, you're kind of all over the place with your hormones, but you're getting basically back to normal and it doesn't always happen in this nice balanced approach. And during that process of re-regulating your hormones, you may see some hair loss. And then not something, again, we're going to talk about today, but underactive thyroid also can cause hair loss. Got it. There's a lot of reasons. A lot of reasons. So really, you just have to kind of go through each one and see which one is for you. And this would be a really good case to get your hormones tested instead of just trying things. And I have to admit, when I first started losing hair, I didn't test. I just started throwing all the supplements at it. Like literally, I was taking 20 supplements trying to get my hair to stop. And then I finally ended up testing my hormones after a few months. And it was nothing that I was actually working on. Was it that the reason? So it really just makes sense to, because there's so many different options that could be the cause just find out if it's really something that has been going on for a while, it's stressing you out, it's causing you some grief, just know. Well, and the tricky thing about hair loss too is it can be really delayed, right? Like a couple of months. So you can have a a super stressful event. Like for instance, my mom had to have shoulder surgery, went, you know, under anesthesia and all that. And then two months later started losing some hair and probably likely because of the surgery. So it can be tricky to backdate you know, whatever happened. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Whenever someone asks about hair loss, my first question is always, what happened two to three months ago? Right. Yeah. Because they'll be like, well, I'm I'm not, everything's great. I'm not stressed right now. mm -hmm. Two or three months ago, did you go through something? And a lot, it happens quite a few times with women who are going through the fat burning female project, not because of the fat burning female project, but how they approach keto prior to FBF. And now, you know, they went through the process of fasting all the time and really underfeeding themselves. And now their body is reacting. So keep that in mind. Yep. Got to read between the lines. Let me take just a quick second here to tell you about another great offer coming from our friends over at ButcherBox. You all know by now that the quality of your meat matters so, so much to the health of your body, to your family's body, to your future health. 
the health and happiness of the animal you are consuming equals the health and happiness of your own body. That's really the simplest, easiest way to think about it. So you always want to make sure you can get the best quality meat for you and your family that you can afford. ButcherBox is the go-to source for the highest quality, best tasting meat sourced from these happy and healthy animals. And they've made it very affordable in order for you to get these meats delivered right to your door every single month. So you don't have to worry about sifting through the grocery store trying to find those meats that actually fit the bill. Because I can tell you from experience, it is becoming harder and harder to find these 100% grass-fed, grass-finished beef, the pasture-raised chicken, the heritage breed pork. You just can't find that in grocery stores these days. You can get this all at ButcherBox because they are doing it right and sending it to your door so you don't have to worry about it. Right now, ButcherBox is offering all Keto for Women listeners two pounds of wild Alaskan salmon free plus 20 bucks off your first box when you head to butcherbox.com slash KFW. And if I can offer my advice now that I feel like I have become a butcher box connoisseur, I've been getting it every single month for a year now, I highly recommend the breakfast sausage. It is phenomenal. The chicken thighs are awesome. The filet mignons are the best steak I have ever had. Put those on the grill this summer. You and your family will melt with how good those are. Fill your box with all of those favorites. Tack on this free two pounds of wild Alaskan salmon, plus get $20 off that first box and you're in business. You will have found your new favorite meat, no question. I cannot wait for you all to get on the ButcherBox bandwagon. Head to butcherbox.com KFW and get that two pounds of free salmon this month only. That's butcherbox.com slash KFW. All right, next up, we have one from Kate. When should someone consider taking DHEA supplements? So this is a really important question because you should not be taking DHEA unless you know your DHEA is low. Like, please don't Dr. Google it and be like, oh, I have all the symptoms of low DHEA. I should probably just supplement with some and and see if that helps. Please don't. DHEA is a hormone. It is a hormone. So you will be basically taking bioidentical hormones. You will be supplementing with an actual hormone, and it can really mess things up if you don't actually need it. You will start having increased DHEA, which trust me, you also don't want. So please make sure that you know your DHEA is low, which you will see in a saliva or urine test. If you take it and you know that you need it, your DHEA is low, only take it for 90 days, no more. Because again, it's a hormone. We want to use this DHEA supplement to teach our bodies how to do this again. We want to stimulate the production of DHEA on our own and not just use it as a replacement so that your body never needs to do it again. Well, so Sean, why would someone be considering taking DHEA? What are the, maybe the symptoms to lead them to think they're low or something? Yeah. So common DHEA, low DHEA, again, it's an androgen hormone, one of those quote unquote male hormones would be if you have your other hormones are low basically because that is kind of the precursor ingredient to progesterone and estrogen, testosterone. So that's the first thing, but it also is responsible for like your energy levels, your mood, how your workouts are, your ability to gain muscle mass. Again, it's an androgen hormone. So some of those things that we kind of think testosterone would do also is the case for DHEA. Okay. So you can safely supplement with DHEA. It's I said it was a bioidentical. It's not a bioidentical hormone. It's kind of like similar to doing that, but it, you are actually taking the hormone when you supplement with DHEA. And it is okay to do for this short period of time if you need it. So basically, there's a lot of harmless supplements out there where you can take it. It really doesn't 
affect you if you're overdosing or something. This is one of those that's like serious. Yeah. You, you don't just be experimenting with DHEA supplements. Right. Exactly. Remember, it is a hormone. It's not like an herb that you'll just or like a mineral you'll just pee out if you've taken too much. This is a big deal. So make sure you need it before you start taking it. All right. Allison asks, I have hypothalamic amenorrhea. Are carb ups at night suggested? So for those that don't know what hypothalamic amenorrhea is, it's basically not getting your period because of an interruption in that messaging system from your brain to your ovaries, to your uterus. That system has been disrupted. And most of the time, it's because of stress. A lot of the times that stress comes from under eating, over exercising, being low body weight. That's kind of the typical person, although that's not necessarily the case for everybody. So I don't want to put Allison into any sort of box because I don't know her. I'm sure she's lovely, but that's just how it happens for a lot of us. That's how it happened to me is being too low of body weight and body fat. When you are dealing with amenorrhea and trying to get your period back and not currently having your period, which again is a huge sign of how your health is doing, the most important thing to do is to eat and nourish your body and to eliminate the stress that you have around food and your body and really everything, just eliminating as much stress as you can. So if you are going to nourish your body and eat real food and do everything you can to teach your body and let your body know that everything is okay and safe and hunky-dory and go about its business of having a menstrual cycle, the last thing you want to do is start trying to manipulate your food or figure out when it's best to eat what or how much of this or what kind of carb or how many carbs do I have or when. Just eat. Just eat and try to be as intuitive as you can with that process. I just want you to get your period back. I want you to feel comfortable around food. I want you to have this connection with your body that will help you determine what and when to eat, what sounds good and appropriate for that meal. And you're going to take yourself further away from that by trying to carb up in a specific time frame. Like just eat. Don't overthink it. Don't think too much about it. You may have gotten here, again, not Allison, but just in general, people dealing with HA may have gotten here from trying to manipulate their food too much and overthink their food too much. So just cut that. That will be the best way to get your period back. Yeah. I mean, it really, I'm the same as you when I was dealing with HA back in the day. I was still eating a super low-fat diet, Mm -hmm. not enough, overtraining, too low of body fat, like all that stuff. So really, you got to look back, you got to be honest with yourself. And you have to ask yourself, what is my history here? Am I under eating? Am I over exercising? And you need to adjust accordingly. And for me, and I just I share this only to show that everybody's different. But what brought my period back was eating more fat. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was eating a low fat diet, I was eating tons of carbs, Mm -hmm. mostly carbs. And it was switching to more of a, a high fat diet that I guess signaled my body that everything's going to be okay. You're not going to starve to death. And everything eventually came back. Totally. And everybody is different and it doesn't require any rules. Like do not have any rules like, oh, I'm going to try carving up at night or I'm going to eat this much fat and this much protein. Just eat. Just eat and eat real food and nourish your body and enjoy food again and get rid of all that mentality because Mm -hmm. that's how so many of us got there is there's just like so much thinking about food. It just becomes this like obsession. Well, and I get it too. There's a lot of confusion and talk out there about how eating more carbs or keto can be bad for hormones Mm -hmm. or eating more carbs is necessary for female hormones and stuff like that. So I understand the, you know, the question and the confusion for sure. And, and if you're having trouble sleeping, carbs at night are great. That's true. (laughs) It'd be a good help. But yeah, just, I think you're on the right track. Just try to do what feels best for you and not worry about what anyone else says. Yeah. Focus more on the lifestyle changes that you can make to help support Mm-hmm. All right. Next up, Julie. Why do I keep getting terrible cramps with my period? I eat clean, keto, lift weights, and walk. Well, Julie, a great question. I think a lot of us deal with undesirable cramps. Ah, oh, the worst, right? Oh, they're so bad. They can be. How- however, yeah, I think some of us are lucky and don't have that much going on there. And I think that is a decent sign of how your cycle is doing and your hormones are doing. Not 
the only sign, of course, but something to notice. The thing about cramps is they are caused by prostaglandins. So prostaglandins are kind of like hormones, but not. But they're compounds that at least within the uterus kind of communicate with the uterine walls to contract and shed its lining. That's how we have a period. Prostaglandins are also how we signal to ovulate. So they're kind of important. They're a good and necessary tool for us to have a normal period. The problem is excess prostaglandins are going to cause cramps. They are not good. It's like we want this perfect amount of prostaglandins to have this really nice, awesome period. And if you have excess, then you will notice more cramps. Now, in some people, this is just genetic. It's just how they were built, how they were born. For a lot of people, prostaglandins have been created in excess because of inflammation. So you can also kind of understand what prostaglandins are. Like if you've ever gotten a cut and you'll notice like you immediately get red there and may puff up a little bit. Part of the healing process is this like inflammation. That's how we heal. That's prostaglandins at work. Well, they increase blood flow. So if you need, if you break your leg, you need to send all the healing agents to that location. Prostaglandins are your friend. Right. So again, another reason why we need them and they they are present in an inflammatory process. So if you have an excess of inflammation, you're going to cause this creation of more prostaglandins and especially in you know, those that have the function of communicating this whole system, this whole cycle we go through on a monthly basis. So that could be the reason. Now, if that's the case, then working on your inflammatory levels would be the way to reverse out of this and to make your cramps subside to some degree. Again, because some of it may be genetic, you might not get rid of them entirely. But I do think that having these really terrible cramps is at least partially a sign of some inflammatory process still going on in your body, like to an overactive degree. So working on your inflammation, which you can do so obviously keto and real food, all of that is great for reducing inflammation. So that may be something to continue. You lift weights and walk. Also great things for reducing inflammation, something to keep doing and keep an eye on. And, you know, drinking enough water. Also supplement wise, you can take vitamin D, fish oil, turmeric is really great, curcumin which is the compound of turmeric that's anti-inflammatory. That's really great. You can do high doses of this for even a few cycles and see if that helps. And then you would be able to kind of know that that's at least partially to blame for your cramps. Estrogen dominance is also a reason behind cramps. Estrogen dominance is very, very, very often, at least what I see in my practice, because of stress, too much stress and more of like a chronic stressed state. It could also be from liver overload. So if you're in a toxic environment or haven't kind of reduced your toxic load in your body, then your liver might just be working too hard and then it doesn't have the capacity to recycle your estrogen and get it in balance. So you may start dealing with high estrogen levels because of your liver overload. There's also a genetic link, possibly, right? There's some genetic issues where people can't, recycle or excrete. Yes. And that's also something that you can get tested if you really want to, to find that out for yourself if you're really having problems with your liver or with estrogen dominance and have tried all the things and it's not working, maybe something to look deeper into. But then also there are specific conditions that cause more cramping than others. Endometriosis, if you have uterine fibroids, pelvic inflammatory disease, these are all things that will cause heavier cramping, I guess, more prominent cramping than the typical lady. So if that's something, again, that you're dealing with, it may be worth it to go to a practitioner and get some of this tested. You can go to a doctor and see what they can do or a functional medicine practitioner and see what they have to offer too. But the very first thing you can do is just think about that inflammatory response a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good point. All right, Paige, I went off the pill in September and now I have hormonal acne on my jaw. Help. Supplements. 
Yay. Yeah. Good question. Glad you're off the pill. Always a good thing to see. And it is unfortunate. I think this is a reason why some women are hesitant to get off the pill because it does take some time for your hormones to bounce back. So keep that in mind. You're doing the right thing. Just keep doing what you're doing. But yes, you can supplement with some things to help with your hormonal acne. The first thing that I would say is focus on your liver support. Again, we talked about the liver. We've already talked about it three or four times, but we're going to talk about it again. That's important. It is so important for your hormones. Liver support is key to success to get hormones back on track post pill. You can do so just with food if you'd like, really focusing on the leafy greens, you know, the dark, deep leafy greens, get some of those every day. You can get root vegetables every day. That'd be great. Like carrots and beets. I love turnips are great. Beet greens are also an amazing thing to add bonus points if you can do that. Arugula is really awesome for the liver. Citrus is amazing for the liver too. So adding in a splash of lime or orange, squeeze of orange, something like that in your dressings would be great. So you can do a lot with food, but you can also support your liver with like dandelion as a supplement. Milk thistle is really great for the liver, ginger, turmeric, any of those, especially in supplement form would be awesome. Also make sure to supplement with zinc and magnesium. These are Mm. typically very, very depleted Mm -hmm. when you take the pill and likely going to be something you'll need to supplement with long term in order to replenish your stores. So zinc and magnesium, again, easy to find in supplement form. Go for that and make it a long term thing. And then lastly, take a probiotic. Also, huge relationship between your gut health and your skin health. So that's one thing. But also, your good gut bugs are depleted when you take the pill. So you'll need to work on restoring that after your pill. Yeah. Well, and we had Dr. Jolene Brighton on the show yes. a, a little while ago. Um, maybe we can a few months to, ago. link to that. But I would say pick up her book, Beyond the Pill, because mm-hmm. it is all about how to basically recuperate after getting off birth control. Yeah, highly recommend that book. It is absolutely amazing as everything you will need. So we'll make sure to link to that in the show notes, but you can also go back and listen to that episode. She gave some good tips. Next question. Since periods are a sign of balance and imbalance for hormones, what are the signs once you're in menopause? Yeah, good question because you don't have your period as an indicator anymore. So now what do you look for? The biggest thing is really any sort of symptom that doesn't feel right that came on because of menopause. Even just your transition into menopause is a huge sign that you went into that state of life with an imbalance to your hormones. So for a lot of women, this looks like hot flashes and night sweats that they didn't have. Weight gain is a big one that all of a sudden comes on. You haven't changed anything. Now you have an extra 10 pounds migraines. A huge, huge one is your sexual health. So vaginal dryness, painful sex, decreased sex drive, all huge signs that you were probably dealing with an imbalance when you went into menopause and now still kind of carrying that along throughout your menopause transition and then postmenopausal as well. And hair loss is a big one too. We talked about that earlier with the super sharp decline in estrogen while still having that normal testosterone level. So those are the biggest things that I look for when I'm working with women who are in menopause to let them know and let me know how they're doing and what their hormones are looking like. And that's also when I test women's hormones that are going through menopause and they're not where they should be, this is what they're dealing with. What's funny too is it's similar to cramps. Like with menopause, the joke is, oh, hot flashes and night sweats and all those things. Whereas, you know, just because something is common doesn't mean it's normal. Mm -hmm. And so these common symptoms that everybody, you know, hates and talks about, they're actually signs that something's not right. Yeah, exactly. It's not normal to have these terrible periods. And it's also not normal to have a terrible transition to menopause. Mm -hmm. Not something's up. So if you don't want that, the best thing to do is start working on your hormones now, even if you're like 30 years old, and you have a while before menopause, start working on them now, because the biggest reason, or really the reason why there's issues in menopause is because they had issues before and they go into that transition with them. Yep. Good point. 
All right. Next up from Missy. Will keto heal my body so I don't have to go on to bioidentical hormones? I am so grateful for this question because I think a lot of us are going into keto hoping it's going to heal really anything, X, Y, Z. But we'll talk about hormones because that's what we're talking about today. You're going into keto hoping it's going to heal your hormones. That is a great start. It's a good place to be. But we have to know no diet ever of any kind will be the only tool you will need to heal your hormones, your gut, your thyroid, your blah, 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 anything. You can never just look through this tiny little hole at your diet and forget to open the rest of the picture. It is so much more than just that. So yes, a healthy, balanced, non-restrictive, non-obsessive, real food, nutrient-dense keto diet with plenty of fuel that the female body requires to be balanced, that will be a great tool to use to heal your body and then regulate your hormones. Yes, it will. If you can do all of those things I just said, but there's so much more that you need to look at. Please don't think And don't say, I'm doing everything right and it's not working because more than likely you're forgetting at least one thing, probably more like four, five, 10 things. You're just looking at your diet instead of the other stuff. So let's go through some of that other stuff. Every single one you guys have already heard. I talk about it all the time here. I just need you to take it seriously if you actually want to heal your hormones instead of just being like, oh yeah, Sean said to do that. I'll get to it like next year. (laughs) No, if you want to get well, take me seriously now. Of course, the first one is stress management. You will not ever have balanced hormones if you're a stress case. You will not. This means you have to take rest seriously, your self-care, find some stress-relieving techniques that work for you, and just be aware of how much stress you're under and what you're doing or not doing about it and change that. It's just, I mean, there's so much to it. I know it's like incredibly hard to handle stress and to manage that, but we have to, and you have to make it a massive priority if your hormones are imbalanced and you don't want them to be anymore. Sleep, hugely important to balancing your hormones, getting on a regular sleep schedule, getting good deep sleep, and you know, getting enough sleep, I guess, too. Just make sure your sleep quality is top notch. You have to be well hydrated. So making sure you're drinking enough water, which at minimum is at least half your body weight in ounces of water every single day. More if you live in Boulder, Colorado. (laughs) More if you sweat. More if you drink diuretics like coffee, tea, sodas, things like that. I can't even tell you the amount of women that are dehydrated. It's one of my questions on my intake form. So I see it. And people either don't know or they're like drinking a glass of water a day. It's crazy to me. So make that a priority. That's an easy fix. Look at your toxin load. So we've talked about toxins a lot here on the show. got to work on that in order to heal your hormones. So make sure you're reducing the amount of toxin exposure you can in today's world. It's not easy, but there are things you can do. Head back to, I mean, there's, I'll make sure to link some episodes that you can listen to about that specifically. Nutrient balance. So you need to make sure you're getting enough nourishment. So actually getting enough fuel for your body, but then also in the right nutrient ratio, which you don't have to worry about if you're eating a good variety of foods, like all foods, all meats, all vegetables, all fruit, if you include fruit in your diet. Just make sure it's a nice, good variety of food and you won't have any issue. You've got to move to the right degree. Not too much, not too little. You have to move and exercise and build muscle. Mindset. I did a whole podcast episode about that. You absolutely will not heal your hormones if you don't start thinking about your mindset and how positive versus negative it is to yourself and to others and to situations, all that stuff. 
connection, making sure you connect with your partner or your friends, your family, just that you have a circle of connection. You just need it. It's a part of our human experience to be connected. So make sure that's addressed. I'm looking at your psychological stress, which is kind of part of the mindset thing. But I just want to make sure that when I say stress, you don't think like, oh, my boss or the traffic or my kids or something like that. Like you got to think about it all. And it might be something that you've held on to for 30, 40, 50 years that you've never addressed and is now buried. That will keep you from balancing out. And then your physiological stressors too, which are, you know, some sort of gut health issue or a thyroid imbalance or inflammation or your blood sugar. Having other systems of your body not be in balance will also keep your hormones out of balance, which we kind of talked about in that gut question. So, I mean, I think I could probably keep going, but those are the <laughs> ones that I just wrote down and then I was like, okay, oh, there's just too many. It's a hefty list. Hefty list. But if you, again, baby steps, just focus on one or two things a week or just add things little by little, you know, gradual changes. Okay. You don't have to do all or nothing. Right. We talked about it, I think, the last hot seat, but getting to know yourself better. So I really like Gretchen Rubin's Four Tendencies quiz. It's free. You take it. You can learn a little bit about yourself. And if you're the type where you need outer accountability in order to stick to some of this stuff, well, great. Have someone, have your spouse or a friend or somebody recruit them to help you get some new habits around some of this lifestyle change stuff that you need to incorporate. So get to know yourself and then figure out a plan on how to best integrate this stuff. And let me just reiterate one more time. No diet ever anywhere will be the only thing you need to look at to heal anything. Yes, diet is great. Eating the right foods are great. But it is one piece of the very big puzzle. Right. Yeah. Not only that, but your diet will likely change yeah. a million times in your lifetime, depending on where you are. Right. Every single day is different. So it may heal you this time, but it's always going to be changing. Right. All right. I think we could maybe squeeze a really quick one in. Okay. One more. One more from Wendy. What are the causes of low testosterone in women and how to improve it without bioidentical hormone replacement therapy? Yes. Perfect. And I think someone else had a similar question about just how to increase your testosterone. Low testosterone is incredibly common in women, and this is a main reason why you have low energy, why you aren't increasing in strength in your workouts, or you're not gaining more muscle mass, even though you're doing everything quote unquote right. There's so much that we need testosterone for, even though it's the quote unquote male hormone, we need a healthy dose of testosterone in our body on a daily basis to feel our best and to look our best. So it's really important and it is a common thing that is low in women. The reason, stress in all caps. This is the first thing that will, well, I won't say first thing because it's not that way in everybody, but can be one of the first things and main things that depletes as you have more stress in your life and your cortisol starts either increasing and then kind of petering out. That kind of pregnenolone steel is what we call it, will steal those nutrients and those building blocks to making testosterone and shift it over to making cortisol because of this stressful scenario. And then you're left with low testosterone. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I have a Keto for Hormones webinar that you can check out that shows that little pregnenolone steel. I'll link to it in the show notes. You can check that out if you want to. And maybe I'll do another one soon. Hint, hint. But anyway, biggest one, although aging and menopause, of course, cause a a natural depletion in testosterone. So that's to be expected, although we can kind of mitigate that as long as we're going into that whole process and keeping our hormones nice and balanced throughout the aging process, we can keep that from being too detrimental to us. And then insulin resistance. So I just told you a little a little bit ago that insulin resistance causes high testosterone. Well, it can also cause low testosterone, completely dependent on the person. So you could also be looking at insulin resistance causing this low testosterone situation. 
which makes you feel like crap. So that's a possibility too. Now, yes, you don't have to go on bioidentical hormone replacement therapy in order to increase your testosterone. In fact, what I do in the Happy Hormones Project is put people on a high dose of zinc for a little bit of time, and it really helps. There's been studies that show that those that have low testosterone also have low zinc levels. And when these zinc levels increase, so does the testosterone. So it is a studied, proven, shown thing to be able to supplement with in order to increase. Same thing goes with the vitamin D. That's also really great to increase your testosterone. The only thing with vitamin D is I really prefer to only supplement when I know people's actual levels because it is a very specific thing. Again, it's a hormone. So it is a very specific thing to get your levels right and to get on the right dose for you. So if you don't know your vitamin D levels, I would recommend working with someone to get those tested. It's a cheap blood test that you can do, but then you'll know you'll know you're on the right dose and not over supplementing yourself. And then stress management. I mean, we just talked about it. We could talk about it all day, but you've got to work on your stress. You've got to let your body know cortisol is not required 24-7. You can be in a parasympathetic rest and digest state, which then will allow the nutrients, the compounds that we need in order to create testosterone, that whole system will come back into place and you will start naturally creating more testosterone because you won't need cortisol as much. Do you think talking about stress all day would stress you out? Yes, it would. I think it would. Yeah, I think so. It's very stressful to talk about not stressing because it's like, it's a very hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to tell people to do, but then it's a hard thing to actually put into practice when we're not used to doing it. So it's like, I mean, I talk about it every day pretty much. And, you know, I don't know how many people are actually following my advice, but I hope some. It's challenging. Just the word stresses me out. I know. Let's not say it ever again. Okay. No more stress. Let's go meditate or something. (laughs) (laughs) All right, ladies, that's it for today's episode. Thank you everyone for your questions. Again, we will do this next time with a different topic. Make sure if you really want to get your question answered, you might have to start watching my stories because that seems to be the place. Again, it's really great too, because we can keep them concise. Those questions were all so concise, which is so nice. That might just be the place to be. You guys are the best. Go to Instagram, follow me if you haven't already at Sean Miner, and then check out those stories and I'll post our next topic there. Until then, have a good week.